0: Hi everyone, Uh, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have Amy the ESTJ with us. Hello, Amy. Amy. Hi. (laughs) And she's going to give us an in-depth look into TE and she's a very, very interesting ESTJ. I totally recommend you check her out on Twitter. Um, So yeah, Uh, what are your experiences of TE, Amy?
1: (laughs) Uh, TE for me comes out in my desire to be efficient about doing things. That is a common word that's used in our circles to describe TE, and I do find that to be definitely the case. It does drive me nuts if something's not efficient. But my definition of efficiency is different than accuracy because I'm just concerned with hitting my personal comfort level of it. Accuracy to me is they want to get 100% on the topic, and they might only have a few topics they actually care about. The other topics they're going to leave alone and not have an opinion on. I have an opinion on everything. And I do mean everything. <laughs> but and I want to have a, basically a passing rate of a B or maybe a low A. You know, if I could get an A+, plus, I'd be thrilled, you know, if we can get that far. But if I'm only going to get to an 80 to a 95% passing rate, I'm actually pretty happy with that. You know, that's comfortable for me. But I want to have that on every topic I do. A- anything I talk about, anything I do, so having areas where I don't have an opinion is just a foreign concept to me. I really don't understand how you could not have an opinion on something and how you could totally crash and burn. Like, I, I do crash and burn, but if I do, I'm learning. And I'm not crashing and burning the same way next time, at least, you know. Uh, and that's because I've got SI in second. So...
0: That's very right. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it seems like TE, um, it favors the action over like um, just the doing or like to the outcome. It's like to, to do the outcome instead of overly like mulling over uh, in action. It's like, a- as long as you have an opinion, it gives you the ability to act. So yes. it's, yeah.
1: yeah, it's definitely action oriented, um, both in, forming mental opinions and in actually being able to do something because it's just as important to me to have an opinion about something I can't physically do as it is to actually have a way to do physical things.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. It's like TE has an instantaneous executive decision uh, component to it. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Very much so. Uh, And uh, I laugh because my five-year-old daughter, she's definitely an EJ of some kind because she's got an opinion on everything and that's how i could tell like i'm pretty sure she's a sensor too but you know esj i just can't quite tell the other part of it but as far as having opinion on everything like i do she has an opinion on everything and so it's like okay now how to mold those opinions how to learn to present those opinions um uh, i have to laugh my mom's an esfj which was a great bonus to a girl being re- being raised that who was an ESTJ my sister is also an ESTJ and we often get confused for ESFJs because my mom trained us in FE mannerisms so my sister's even better at blending in than I am um uh but it I told my mom I was laughing this last summer I said I don't understand why we have to say please you know I really don't And I'm like if I'm giving you an instruction that you are going to follow, and I'm expecting you're going to follow it. Why do I have to say please? Like, if you didn't say please, it wouldn't bother me. I'd just, you know, especially if, you know, you're the boss. Why would you say please? You just tell me what it was. I'd go do it. You know, that's not a problem. And <laughs> my mom just laughs at me. She goes, "Yeah, you gotta say please." You know, and I'm like, "Yes, but do you realize how confusing it is for small children?" When I say please, and they're like, oh, mom's giving me an option to obey.
0: And I'm like thinking,
1: no, you have no option about obeying at the moment. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It seems like TE has like a step, like you mentioned on a tweet before that it has a standardized element to it. So Mm -hmm. on a tweet, you mentioned that like TE and FE are like standardized objective. And you said that. Uh, Mm -hmm. ti and fi are individualized uh, subjective
1: yes yeah i've definitely noticed that because uh i have an opinion on everything but i am i've noticed i'm fairly quick to change my opinion to what the majority of the group is unless i've got a really good subjective reason not to um when the whole coronavirus thing was starting i was kind of ambivalent to it you know wasn't really sure what was going on And then I called my dad who lives in Seattle last Wednesday because airline prices were really cheap. He hasn't seen his new granddaughter yet. I was like, you know, maybe I'll run out there for a weekend, you know, come back. And my dad's like, no, you're not flying here. I'm not flying to see you, you know, and he gave me this whole download of everything. And then I started, then he started posting some articles and stuff like that. And I learned about social distancing and things like that. And it's like, oh, okay. Now my opinion has changed to match the general consensus on it. Because I was exposed to more of that, you know, and there are also like personal reasons involved, you know, Um, he, uh, my mom, stepmom works for group health, which is a large uh, medical group out there. And he was telling me stories of what she was having to deal with. And it's like, oh, these stories are real, Um, which was a little bit of the fi side of me kicking in, going, hmm, Okay guess we're going to be and then my husband got sick last week and it's like okay we're definitely practicing social distancing i don't think he's got that particular flu i think he's got regular um because he's had fever and chills and the symptoms are just not quite the same but it's like okay we're definitely going to not you know complicate the matter (laughs) by spreading things so
0: that's true yeah there's that updating component to extroverted functions Because, like, extroverted functions are constantly updating to the external world. Well, because the thing is, just because
1: I'm comfortable with a pass rate of 80% on getting something done, doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy having a better pass rate. And the inherent thing about forming an opinion quickly is you realize that you're usually wrong about part of it. And when you come immature TE and immature FE usually tends to ignore that part of it. That's why they're immature is because they don't realize that because they form opinions fast, they're probably going to have to change or modify them slightly as new information comes up because they haven't spent the time thinking about it beforehand the way the introverted judging functions have. So mature TE and FE users are going to be flexible with, okay, here's my opinion. It's not truly fully formed. As I get more information, I'm going to improve on it. And I still may be like very about the 80% I, you know, I do know, but changing my opinion is not really going to hurt me. And I will may or may not apologize for a change in opinion or if, uh, but I probably will be grateful to you that you updated my information And that you have improved my ability to make a better choice. And that is something that I've talked with uh, several wives who were like F-E users and their husband like gives them the suggestion and they're like, oh, he's criticizing me as a person. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's just trying to make you more efficient. He's actually paying you a great compliment because he thinks that he would love to be more efficient. So he's passing the love on to you and you don't realize that um he's speaking a sense a te love language to you and and honestly it's not a personal critique at all because he probably thinks you're wonderful for having done the laundry at all um so his commentary of you know improved better way to do the laundry is not a critique at all it's actually uh he thinks you're smart enough to follow the opinion because one of the things that uh extroverted Uh, judging functions are notorious for us. While we might take the time to waste telling our opinion on people who don't care, a lot of times we don't, unless we're just in a venting mood. You know, venting mood, all bets are off. But outside of a venting mood, I'm not going to share my opinion if you're not going to care. For example, um, I'm a Christian. I go to church several times a week. I have very firm opinions. But I've worked in the public sphere a lot of times. And when I worked at McDonald's, I rarely shared my face, faith there because most of them didn't care. They, they weren't in the mood to listen. And so I wasn't going to waste my opinion and my time frustrating people by sharing something that they weren't ready to listen to. You know, I'd rather uh, keep things pleasant. I'd rather show good behavior as an incentive for them to want to talk, talk to me about it. So I didn't uh, make a big deal of it there because I knew I was just wasting my time there. Uh, so I just held my breath, kept my opinions to myself. You know, <laughs> it's not like they didn't know I was conservative. It's not like most of them didn't stop swearing about me. Most of them did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, out of respect, you know, for that. But it, it's just that's an, another part of it.
0: Yeah. It's like love to, to criticize cause it's making it better. It's how it seems to the T E. Cause yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like, I see extroverted functions as half baked and like introverted functions as full baked. I don't mean that in an f- offensive way, but it's kind of like the extroverted function will be like, here's my half baked product. Can you improve it? And then I'll put it back to bake and then I'll take it out again for you to add, and then I'll put it back in. But putting, yeah. Yeah. But
1: for the introverted it it, it, it is when we're learning.
0: Yes. It's happened. However,
1: trying to change the mind of an extroverted function that feels like they have actually taken the same amount of time as an introverted function to to refine it. Is like immovable. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I make a really killer pumpkin pie it's really fabulous I'm not ashamed to say that uh, there are few things I make that are worth selling that is actually something worth selling I've sold them before mm-hmm. taking other people's suggestions on how to improve my pumpkin pie and I'm probably going to laugh you know for some of them now I know exactly where my weaknesses are in making it I can't do the fancy fluted crust to save my life I have little cutout shapes that I use to hide the facts <laughs> um, uh, but other than that, you could sit there and try to critique my pumpkin pie and I'm going to be like, mm, nope, I like the way I do it. I'm not changing it for, you know, just because you say so. Um, so once we get to that point, it's very firm. But in the meantime, yeah, we're usually pretty flexible about how to get things done.
0: That's interesting. It's like, so when you know the functionality of something is, is as good as it can be in a certain area, like if mm-hmm. someone critiques the near perfectness, it's like, well, you have to have like a good argument maybe to like change
1: Well, it. you have to have the authority to be able to make that critique. You know, I don't mind if you make the critique, you can make the critique. I'm just probably not listening oh. at that point. Um, uh, one of the few people I might listen to because I've heard them talk about it is uh, um, Madame Kidd uh, on Twitter. She's a baker. You know, she might actually know something about it that I don't because she does that professionally. Um, the other one, I, I randomly enough, uh, Susan Storm mentioned a while ago that she had thought, almost wish she had started blogging about pies instead of about uh personality stuff which we all say no 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 we're so grateful you chose personality instead um so she might know a thing or two about pies but the rest of y'all uh, at least when it comes to my pumpkin pie probably not listening <laughs> you know like Ooh.
0: you know That's so unless cool. you've got really you know
1: unless you've got other hidden you know talent skills that i don't know about you know
0: that's true, so I guess like maybe TE knows the authority right away in a person. Like, are you an authority to speak on cooking or to in this subject, or do you have the expertise? Do you have? Um...
1: Well, it's, I don't always know right away about somebody, but uh, I do take uh, standard metrics into account. Now I do think as a ESTJ as opposed to ENTJ, um, uh, that I, they more likely to believe an outside standardized metric. Mm-hmm. So if you went to college, let's say, I am more likely to believe you know what you're talking about than an ENTJ. Maybe they might be a bit more skeptical about that. Like they might say, oh, yeah, you know what you're talking about, but you know it at like, you know, a 75% passing rate. And I might regard them more as a 85 or 90% passing rate. I might, I take, you know, um, there's, I think I have noticed that, that difference in ESTJs. We're willing to accept uh, other people's standardized, you know, as they like to joke, do you know what they call the guy with the lowest GPA that graduates from medical school? A doctor, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so I'm still just as likely to, um, give credence to what he says as and not ask for, you know, hey, what spot were you in your class? You know, what GPA did you actually graduate with? You know, before I listen, I'll be like, hey, you know, <laughs> you graduated in high school, like, you know far more than I do. So what is your opinion on this matter? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. St- standardized metrics. Interesting. Uh, how about like performance metrics in general? Like, how do you gauge that?
1: usually by watching people um i can tell by watching them how uh capable they are getting to the end result and then uh i also am aware enough to tell how comfortable they are getting to their end result like if this is a really stressful for for them getting to the end result and there's someone else they get to the same end result but they are not as stressed out uh, i can tell the difference and so I would favor the unstressed out version. Now there are uh, a few exceptions to that. You know, if the, you've got a really OCD person, they might actually have a better system. They're just OCD and uncomfortable. So I might copy their system and but I'm just going to relax and do it. Um, but oh, yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Um, you mentioned a really cool point. It was like end result. So TE, like it notices, like it gauges things by the end result, which is a, a parallel it has with FE. But FE, like if I think of my own ability in FE, it's I'm looking for the end result in interpersonal dynamic exchanges. Mm-hmm. So, so how I see a person's needs meeting another person's needs, but I'm noticing the end relational out there. Then I'm- Hold on Joyce here. Oh, it's cutting off. Joy
1: set. It's lagging. Hold on.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: All <laughs> oh, right. That seems like it's better. Okay. Say the last awesome. part again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. So I like, I have this theory that T and FE look for end results, but like TE is more of like a outcome in terms of the technicalities and the functionality or like the systematization, like they want the end result to be good. But for FE, it's looking for like the human um, outcomes. So they're like- human touch to be perfected. Human touch perfected, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed that too. And what gets really confusing is when you meet a person like me or my sister who is people oriented. I'm not exactly actually a task oriented person. I'm very good at tasks. I feel very comfortable in the TE role. But I do it because I love people. And when you do things because you love people as opposed to doing things because you would love to do the job, it can get very confusing for some people to look look at you and go, oh, you must be F.E. user. I'm like, actually, I'm not always as good at judging emotions. And I'm perfectly willing to set emotions aside if I think this task is going to make everything better in the end. And I think that's one of the cardinal differences. And... Uh, between uh, ESTJ and ESFJ yeah. for instance is um, I, I like emotions I respect emotions I learned a long time ago from my mom and ESFJ that um, saying uh, please and smiling got faster results than saying jump you know which is what I prefer to say sometimes <laughs> Um <laughs> uh and so i and because those results are faster i learned to do that um but the goal is i I think these actions are going to help everybody be happier in the end uh one of the examples i like to use is if my i have a brother who's upper high school a bodybuilder and uh you know sport basketball junkie and if he came home hungry and my mom and I were to make him a sandwich because he was hungry. A, probably I would tell him to go make his own sandwich, but B, if I were willing to go make his sandwich, I would make a sandwich because he's hungry. I see a concrete problem I need to solve. My mom would make him a sandwich because he's grumpy or tired, or it's emotionally messing with her that he is uncomfortable because he is hungry. And, um, So, uh, yes, will I do things to fix your emotional state? I might, but some of it has to do with other comfort levels of, oh, there is a problem, you know, I'm going to fix it. Or in my case, I'm a pretty optimistic person, pretty even-keeled personality. I am married to an INFP, which most of you in the Twitterverse know about that because I mentioned him routinely. Um, (laughs) So the classic phrase, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, it's not exactly how our house runs. <laughs> it's if daddy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Cause when he's unhappy, then I get, you know, I, I set out to fix that because he's important to me, you know? So, yeah. and he is much more likely to have emotional highs and lows than I am. Um, that's just part of his makeup. Pretty common to INFPs, uh, well, NFPs in general. Um, and, uh, Will I do things to fix that? Yes, because I care about it. But it's, um, and uh, one of the things I've noticed about myself is if I don't have people counting on my results, I get lazy, which is also not in your standard definitions for an ESTJ or any kind of TE user is, oh, they're lazy. It's like, well, I am if nobody's checking on me because my personal standards of what I need will get very low if nobody's checking on me, you know, don't need it, don't need it quite as clean. I'll eat simple foods, you know, like it's having people over to notice that it's like, Oh, I'm going to set the bar so that they're comfortable. Um, you know, I'm going to up things. So, um, working without a boss I found to my chagrin will never work for me. Um, I'm glad I'm only homeschooling my kids because of the quarantine for a couple of weeks, because even though I'm te- I have a degree in education and I was homeschooled myself, um, I, my, since my husband is so busy making choices every day at work, by the time he gets home, he is done. His He's way maxed out his choice limit. He would not want to check up on me to see how much schooling I'd actually done with the kids. So I wouldn't necessarily get it done. And so we've made the choice that It's better to put the kids in school where somebody else can check up on them than for me to homeschool them long term, at least for right now. Uh, uh, Cleaning the kitchen. I always do better if somebody notices that I cleaned the kitchen or notices that I did chores. And one of the things I also tell FE users is if you're like me and you're motivated by other people noticing what you do and you're Spouse is not good about noticing because my husband is a very self-motivated person, also common with NFPs. Um uh, so, you know, complimenting him on something he feels like he just should be doing, he doesn't care. That is not motivating. That is in fact like uh duh, like oh, almost borderline insulting sometimes, I think he finds it, you know. Um where for me I've learned he as much as for years, I've told him, you know. I would like you to notice that I actually did chores because I'm more likely to have done more chores by the time you get home tomorrow if you notice that I did them today. I will straight up, like, start listing what I did for the day. Like, hey, look, I ran the dishwasher and I wiped off the counters and, you know, I made dinner and I wiped the table and I did, you know, three loads of laundry and I put them away, you know, and we cleaned the toy room and this is what I did for you know, my job I do on the computer. So that way he can, like, start at least smiling, you know, and acknowledging, yeah, yeah, I did notice that you got this done, you know, and I know it sounds really weird to FE users to start listing accomplishments like that for other people in their life. But sometimes you have to do it. And sometimes you may have to do it for the rest of your life. Like, he may never voluntarily notice that you did all this stuff to make your lives better and that's okay but to help you help yourself start listing them you know like list off the accomplishments of your day that you want him to recognize and he probably will and then you'll feel much better and you'll be back more into your flow state of wanting to do that stuff again you know as opposed to getting all depressed about it so Another piece of advice.
0: (laughs) That is so interesting. You offered this really cool Timbit I've never heard before, and it it seems extremely accurate. It's how you talked about um, how the standards get low when you're by yourself, but when you're with others, it increases. Because I I wonder if, like, J-E, like, F-E and T-E look for um, external validation to calibrate. So it's, like, a form of calibration. And without that calibration, it starts to, like, just dwindle. Oh,
1: it dwindles up until you hit, uh, actual personal values, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and where the personal values lie in, in EJ is I think a wider spectrum than we expect. You know, um, I think the, the end results for EJs may look more similar because it is objective and, um, group based like you know i know the definition of how clean my house should be to have company over Mm -hmm. you know you know this level of dusting toys all picked up floors vacuum floors sweat you know mopped that's an objective that i can meet how clean i actually keep it if company's not coming over and my husband doesn't care that's where you're going to see more of the variation with an ej you know, some EJs are still going to be pretty close to the line because that's their personal opinion and some of them though might be a lot farther than you think they are you know uh, without those standards
0: interesting so maybe like there's an external standard component to like JE functions <laughs>
1: there is um, yeah. uh, because we feel comfortable with the group being okay with things You know, um, when I am getting things done and I'm using TE, I like efficiency and I like being able to get things done, but it's also because I want everybody else to see the results or I want to, another definition of ESTJ is work hard, play hard. Like, I don't care what my job is, but I'm going to get it done fast. So I have more time to be lazy. And if all you know me on is the late, you know, the lazy, freewheeling, I'm relaxing side of things. You might confuse me for something different up until I get into work mode. Work mode is very stereotypical with all the other ESTJs, except for the fact that um, I don't swear and, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple other things. So, uh, but work mode is very, okay, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this over with, even if I enjoy the process. I'm probably still going to be, I enjoy the f- process getting it done so that i've got more time to relax now some ESGs, when they relax that's where the spectrum occurs of some are very um not do much you know really relax some of them are just as on the go off the clock doing the fun things they enjoy as they are on the clock um uh, some people you know when they get off the clock they are still not people oriented so they're going to pick you know Things to do, you know, that's more about the things. Uh, where When I get off the clock, I am all about the people. And my favorite thing to do is talk to people. I don't care what we're talking about. I don't care. Uh, well, I kind of care how old you are. <laughs> it's a little harder with small children to get the same sense of people interaction, um, you know, to some degree. But, you know, if you're, let's say... And definitely by junior high on up, you know, carrying on a conversation with you just thrills me. And we'll, we could talk for hours and hours and hours and I would be totally jazzed. But, you know, coming off that and I could do that till I drop. You know, that is my flow state is talking to people and getting things. But I wouldn't say that talking to people always means that I am F.E. Because there's that sense of... Um, Other people's emotions don't automatically play on my system. Like I notice your emotions in some areas are more than others. I'm more noticing, but uh, it doesn't necessarily going to cause me to mirror someone else's emotions. Now I will definitely choose to, you know, if you're crying, I will choose to be sensitive to that, but it's a choice on my part. It's not necessarily involuntary by any means
0: yeah to FE uh, for me it feels involuntary it's almost like mm-hmm. the person's emotion is on my radar and I can't unsee it it's like <laughs> um, when you said you could set emotions aside I couldn't see myself doing that mm-hmm. and I was like that was a really good differentiator between yeah. FE and F. E. <laughs> uh-
1: it's not that I don't care about your emotions in fact you know I do care about my children's emotions and I do care about most people's emotions but I can set them aside if I deem it's not in best interest right now Um, like with my children one of the things I've learned from uh, being in the this sphere is the emotional manipulation factor that is very obvious in immature uh, feelers and I have small children. And sometimes they cry to man- emotionally manipulate you. You know. And I am trying to teach them no. Like we cry because we're sad. We cry because we got hurt. Um, you can even maybe cry sometimes because you're frustrated that you didn't get things done. But you're not going to cry to emotionally manipulate me or your dad. And your dad is affected by these emotions you know and other people you know other fe users are affected by these emotions and i'm not going to let you become an emotional manipulator on me because you figured out that oh if i start crying you know this will get me in or out of trouble or i'll get my way and it's like "Mm, nope that's not you know and when i'm looking at other adults uh uh yes you may be crying and i'll ask you why but i'm probably also going to look for the reason before I start sympathizing, you know, um, if I don't agree with the reason why you're crying, your emotional overload is your problem at that point. Um, uh, my political views are, I don't usually talk about them on Twitter all that much because it's not the same as a lot of folks on there. So again, I'm not going to waste my time, you know, frustrating people by mentioning something they don't want to deal with, but you know. If I see that, I'm just going to be like, okay, that's nice. I'm moving on. Doesn't bother me. I'm not aggravated. Where my husband, when he gets you know on his Facebook feed and he finds the people with those very different views, he he, he just gets... Ugh. Oh, my... Sorry, I was lagging there for a second. He uh, he gets very, you know, emotionally upset and bothered sometimes by it. And it's like, after a while, he's like, oh, I got to put my fo- fo- phone down because I'm just getting too worked up about it. And I'm thinking okay like you know i could see the same posts and it doesn't rile me you know like i just set it aside and be like okay not not my problem so
0: that's really interesting it's yeah it's like if emotions don't have a reason it's like less likely to be considered so it has to have maybe like a reason for being there Mm -hmm. that's cool um with te uh Do you find that like people mistaken it for Effie a lot you mentioned so I think because I'm a
1: girl more so uh that is a huge factor in it uh but go ahead with your question
0: oh yeah I was wondering where you think they're similar and where you think they're different
1: uh T and Effie are similar in that they both have objective standards usually held by your group now the interesting thing about our culture is In our culture, you can have a lot of connections with people who really aren't in your group. People who have similar morals and values. What I always tell people is you shouldn't pick a life partner based on uh, Myers-Briggs compatibility or a socionics compatibility. You really need to pick somebody who's got similar morals and values to you. Whether they have a different way of processing is something you can work through. But if you've got different morals and values, that is much harder and can be nigh on impossible to work through sometimes so uh uh so you they are group oriented but your group may actually be small the group you associate with that your objective standards are coming from may be actually a small group compared to the whole of the united states um uh, so that is one thing that's very similar about them um sometimes the you can get similar results from both of them like You know, the example of making a sandwich, you know, for a hungry person. You could get a similar result from both a TE and FE user. And you might even get a very similar style, particularly if they share the same um, perceiving function. You know, uh, ESFJs and I can have very similar results, very similar style of getting to the results. I would assume the same for ENFJ and ENTJ. You know, you could get very similar results, very similar style from both of them, but the the motivational force is different between the two of them. I um, you also get uh, different results on gender plays a part because of cultural expectations. I have found as a TE user, I get along really well, almost with every single guy talking and having a conversation with them in the sense of they understand what I'm saying. There's no miscommunication errors between the two of us. Even if the guy is a feeler, I still don't get miscommunication errors. And I think it's because feeler guys are expected to be thinkers. And so they develop um, thinker communication skills to get along with other guys same way i have developed more feeler communication skills to get along with girls Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh those guys even feeler guys i have an easy time talking to uh thinker girls i have an easy time talking to whether it's te or ti both of it works pretty well um the harder ones for me are feeler girls almost inevitably in every friendship i've had with a feeler woman um they meet me i'm a massive extrovert as in i can't stand to be by myself ever (laughs) i'm very very extreme that way um uh and i'm pretty much an open book personality as well and so uh and but one of the things i like to say about te is i mean what i said and i said what i meant and i didn't mean more than i said um is they usually assume that something i said had another meaning that wasn't in straight verbal language of what I was using. And so then they get frustrated with me and then they think, you know, I'm a bit, you know, either two-faced or um, not an honest personality or something like that. And then I have to stop and go, and once that miscommunication clears up and they realize, oh, she just means exactly what she said. And the other thing I have to remind them is, please tell me if I've offended you. It does not offend me for you to come to me and say, that didn't come off right. That is not offensive. In fact, I am really grateful because that is critical feedback. The same way we were talking earlier about how the certain level of criticism we enjoy because it improves things. If you come to me and say, hey, I didn't like the fact you, you said this. Or this is what I thought you said. And I can look at you and go, that's not what I meant. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was rude to say. You know, because sometimes I don't always pick up on things. Um, uh, I'll give you two examples. Uh, years ago, uh, my, uh, my mom had kids while I was in high school. So I have, and I have eight brothers and sisters. So I have a lot of familiar with small kids and I love rambunctious kids. They don't bother me at all. But I made an offhand comment to a mom that her kids were little monsters. And I said that in an affectionate tone of voice. And But I didn't say I loved little monsters. I just said, you know, and her husband told me a couple years later that his wife had been very offended by the fact I had called their kids little monsters. But I was thinking to myself, that's what I call my little siblings. You know, I call them little monsters. And so to me, I was trying to be affectionate and kind and saying, I liked your kids. They're a nice level of rambunctiousness. And it didn't go over well. And I didn't know because she never told me that I had offended her. And it was like, oh, sorry, did not cross my b- brain to, to realize that. The other one I had to grow up with is my family comes from the Midwest, and I but I grew up in Washington State. And if you grew up in Washington State, you are pretty much blind to racism because it really doesn't exist there, too. I mean, I didn't notice it growing up. I really don't have a problem with it at all. But one of the phrases I kind of grew up with was cotton picking. And I didn't think about the context of that phrase until a couple of years ago when it was pointed out that, Oh, that was kind of a racist term. And it's not just kind of a racist term. It really is. And you probably should stop saying that because I always thought of it as, Oh, white people picked cotton too, you know, whatever. I didn't think of it as a only black people picked cotton. And therefore that was not something I should be saying. And it was like, but it was one of those, I didn't catch the background meaning of it. You know, the, the culture I came from, nobody, you know, it was never said in a racist way. You know, it just was a phrase I grew up to with to explain that something was slow or hard or frustrating to do. And so it was like, Oh, but somebody pointed it out and I'm like, okay. So now I have to go back and, you know, I still, sometimes goof and say it when I'm describing that but I'm like but I'm trying to go oh wait no no no! I don't say that anymore because now I know because somebody educated me (laughs) on doing that so uh, it's one of those I would encourage FE users you know if you're bothered by something a TE user says take the time to educate them they really will appreciate you know not having to deal with You being frustrated at them, because if you're frustrated at them, you're probably not going to get things done the way that they want you to get done if you're frustrated with them, because it affects your performance levels. And that's literally how a TE user is going to think about it. So go ahead and tell them that, hey, you said something that bothered me or you did something that bothered me, because we don't mind critical feedback as long as you are um, not calling us evil at the same time. You know, <laughs> if you're just going, hey, FYI, this you know bothered me. We're gonna, or this is not the way to do this action. We'll be like, oh, okay, cool. I can adjust. You know, I can learn. Um, uh, calling us evil at the same time—that's going to make the pill a lot sw- harder to swallow. You know, so avoid that part of the part of it when you're telling us. Which usually F E people don't go around slinging that, <laughs> those kind of things at people, you know, when you're frustrated about something. So uh, that is a difference. Um,
0: that's really interesting. It reminds me of something Dr. Mike told me. Uh, he said that like uh, extroverts or TE users in this case, they have like foot and mouth disease where they say something where they shouldn't have said that. But um, th- that's an interesting illustration. Um, yeah. yeah definitely we have
1: foot and mouth because one of the other things you have to realize about an extroverted judging function is this is something we both share is we don't know what we're talking about until we said it until it comes out our mouths and we hear it then we're like oh that sounds good or oh that does not sound good so we routinely so having somebody that we can talk to that's not going to judge us for foot and mouth while we're thinking things through out loud is really important to us, you know, and it's even okay. If you're the feedback person for us while we're doing this for you to give us like a look of, you know, like that, or uh, what did you just say? You know, like you're, you're allowed to do that. That really doesn't bother us as long as you won't hold the fact. I said something stupid at the front of the conversation with whatever my opinion is at the end of the conversation.
0: Yes, because I don't want you to remember.
1: Sorry, hold on a second. It's lagging. For sure. Okay, go ahead.
0: Oh yeah, I was wondering. So, do like TE users think out loud then, like to process? Like, do they say commands out loud to like organize it or? Uh
1: huh. Okay. Uh, it can. I also, uh, I can do it in my head. But if you've heard about the whole, do you have a inner cognitive mental stream? You know, inner monologue. like talking to yourself, inner monologue. I definitely have an inner monologue going on. And it's what I use when I can't find somebody else to monologue with. You know, I monologue at myself and I will talk back and forth with myself to figure things out. Yes. But um, when it comes to difficult topics, I love talking them through with somebody else. Uh It's one of my favorite things to do, um, and it helps me process better what's going on. Um, And you don't have to be an extroverted judging function to do that with me. You know, you could be an uh, uh, introverted judging function and not be forming your opinion because you're just absorbing all the information I am spewing out at the moment. And I don't require you necessarily to come to the same conclusion as I do by the end of the conversation. Well, part of that's because I'm mature enough to realize you won't. Immature uh, TE and FE users at the end of the conversation may drive introverted judges nuts because we want to have a mutual conclusion of agreement at the end of the conversation. That can be very, that can be a, definitely a point of frustration between uh, extroverted judges and introverted judges. And so, um, And it's totally okay if you realize you are talking to an extroverted judger and you're an introverted judger and they are rambling through things. Just smile and nod. You know, you don't, you could feel like you don't agree with us enough to actually agree with us. But if you just keep smiling and nodding, we're going to stay pretty happy. You know, it's going to keep things pretty calm between the two of us until you've actually had the time to really sit down and thought through your, your opinions or your feelings on the matter and you're ready to share them. You know, smelling and nodding in the, in the meantime will keep things pretty calm. And yes, I can talk through things with a, a feeler because it's not like an extroverted feeler doesn't have logic. They do. Uh, the ability to use logic is not a property of thinkers or feelers. It, it You know, um, especially when you're talking about formal logic and stuff like that. That's definitely not the, you know, the domain of one or the other uh you can find people who you know who use formal logic very well who are feelers um whether introverted or extroverted feelers and so having someone to talk to through who doesn't mind my foot and mouth while i'm going through things is really really helpful
0: mm-hmm.
1: now the one thing i have the, now the flip side of this is if i'm trying to prove a point to somebody One of the things I had to learn was if I was talking to a TE or an FE and I was trying to prove a point, I could keep talking and hounding that, Mm -hmm. like bringing up new information, bringing up new examples, going back to previous ones and saying, hey, wasn't this important enough for you to change your opinion? And I could keep doing that until they changed their opinion to what I felt was similar to mine. Now, it may not be exactly similar because again, we're extroverted judging functions and we don't have to totally be on the same page as long as we're pretty close to, to each other. But one of the most essential benefits I've learned was if I realized I was talking to an introverted judger, I need to state my opinions, my facts and wait for the light bulb. And then I had to realize how long it could take to wait for that light bulb because for an extroverted thinker or feeler the light bulb takes about you know that conversation by the end of the conversation sometimes five seconds uh sometimes 15 seconds but usually you can tell right away whether or not they're on tracking with you an introverted judger you can't tell that they're tracking with you And so you may start going round and round on the same thing, and they may end up agreeing with you eventually, but they're not likely to agree with you in that conversation until you give them some peace and quiet to process what they are thinking about, what their gut's telling them, what their brain is telling them.
0: That is so on point, like 10 out of 10. Um, you also had a thread on Twitter about something like this, uh, about apologies and how like mm-hmm. the the FE and the TE user is like quicker and more prompt to apologize.
1: It has to do with the same idea of if you're uh, along the same side of, if you're trying to change somebody's opinion, you know, when you're trying, you have to give time for an introverted person to have their opinion. And you have to realize it may take them three seconds to change their opinion introverted judger it may take them three minutes it may take them three months and i'm not joking on the three months thing you know for some introverted judgers before they change their opinion and one of the things i've noticed about them that they are actually very kind on now we i would find this annoying and as an extroverted judger for if it's taking me three months to form an opinion you checking back with me every so often would drive me crazy however introverted judgers don't mind as long as you're being open-ended about do you have an answer yet Now, okay, as long as I, as long as I say, you know, I'm okay with that, they're okay with me checking in with them and going, you need another week? Okay. You need another two weeks? Okay. You know, they're fine with that. And you can just keep checking in with them until, you know, uh, until they come up with an an opinion on the matter. Or they may finally just give up and say, I'm not going to have an opinion on the matter. Which would be crazy to me because I have an opinion on everything. But I have to learn to accept that works for them. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to forgiveness, the same timeline kind of applies. Uh, If I've done something wrong, because I so frequently suffer from foot and mouth, (laughs) um, I've learned to apologize quickly. Now, some of this was also taught to me by my ESFJ mother. Um, But I'll be like, oh, I goofed it, or I was wrong. or And so I will apologize quickly. I will take responsibility for what I did. Um, this is a personal family thing. Uh, our family used I'm sorry when we weren't at fault. You had to use I apologize if you were at fault. So I married into a family where they use I'm sorry for both. And they use I'm sorry for when they've inconvenienced you. And I'm like, even if it was accidental. And I'm like, you, may, you, you want to say I'm sorry to say you hurt me when you did something on accident. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to apologize for that. You know, you're fine. But, um, <laughs> but with introverted uh, judging functions, I've noticed that they do not apologize until they have learned all the lessons they need to learn from whatever they did wrong. So you have to give, so if they don't apologize quickly, that doesn't mean they don't agree with you in basic form that they did something wrong. They just feel like an apology is a promise never to do it again. And so they are not going to apologize until they can promise you they're never going to do it again. Where I will promise you I'm going to try not to do it again. But I'm not going to promise you that I'll never do it again. See back to the ex- example about how I don't say cotton picking anymore. Yes. I really try not to. And I would apologize for it if I said it, you know, in your presence. And, you know, and I apologize to myself, you know, for, but I, where an introverted judger might be not okay with apologizing for the fact they said that until they could promise they'd never say it again. And it, 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 which gets into trouble because I've seen people getting fired for that because they didn't apologize soon enough to their boss about um, something that happened where their boss, you know, if they'd apologize quickly, their boss would have, you know, maybe just suspended them or, you know, or forgiven them on the spot. But because it looked like this person was holding on to the offense, it totally broke the relationship. hmm and the trust level between the two. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I have to encourage interpreted judges to do is you need, you know, if you realize you've done something wrong, mm-hmm. you need to give kind of an apology ahead of time, even if you haven't figured out everything to do with what you're never going to do again. Or yes. do you really accept that critique? You need to, you know, give some kind of It would help you out to give some kind of basic apology up front, even if it doesn't feel authentic or truthful or accurate. Even if it doesn't, just go ahead and do it because that'll relieve the other person. And then you can sit back and you can take all the time in the world to make sure that you get to authenticity or accuracy. But it would, and then uh, for extroverted judgers, you need to realize that, Interferred judges exist and that they may not apologize right away. And try not to judge them for that. You know, Um, especially if something really big has happened, you know, and they freeze on you um, or they flee on you. um, And you, you may just need to realize, okay, this is big. I need to give this time for them to come back to me. You know, I can't expect a resolution right now. Or maybe, you know, it might help for you to ask them, do you agree with me that basically there was a problem? You know, maybe not in the fine points. We haven't, we're not hashing that out today, you know, but in general, could you agree that this was the problem? And maybe either you were the problem or I was the problem, you know? Or this action in gen, you know, in basic form was wrong. And that you might be able to get a response from. I haven't had a chance to practice that much because um, I've gotten to the point where I'll just wait. And if I know somebody well, I'm not going to ask them for, do we in general agree when I can already tell we do? Yeah. You know, because I just haven't done that. Although with my kids... That may be something I do if I notice that trend. Uh, Now with them, I'm the adult, so I just require them to apologize, whether they're an introverted or extroverted judge or I don't care, you know, Um, if it was an accident and it was your fault, you know, I teach them, you know, hey, you need to say, I'm sorry, I accidentally did this. I'm not going to do it again. You know, I'm going to promise to be more careful. You know, if you actually did something wrong, then I'm still going to make you apologize and get used to that now. Because that's easier on you as an adult. You'll have less repercussions as an adult. Yes. If you learn to apologize quickly, then waiting. Because yes, I respect the fact that you need to integrate this new piece of information into your whole psyche as introverted judger. And that may take you like, no joke, three months to integrate it, especially if it's a foundational change that's going to affect multiple areas of your personality or thought processes. However, that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to recognize that you need that space. I can recognize you need that space, but it doesn't mean others will. So I'd rather teach you to... Save yourself some problems and um, offer up a bit of an apology earlier and then finish processing on your own. That'll save you a lot of heartache and potentially save a relationship.
0: That was amazing advice. 10 out of 10. Uh, (laughs) Totally great um and i guess that ends our episode on te that that was beautiful commentary amy i feel like you offered very nuanced interesting uh material and you're you're very intelligent in this sphere and i just wanted to showcase you because you're a very lovely human being and (laughs) if you guys want to check out amy check out her twitter uh down below and if you like this video like and subscribe or yeah. I hope you guys have a great week and a great rest of the your lifetime uh, and have a great one. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.